Hello everyone and welcome back to the Part-Time Gaffers podcast. My name is David. And I'm Dilesh. And we are remotely socially distanced right now because New Zealand has just gone back into lockdown, level four, and we're barely allowed out of our houses. Yeah, this is the first lockdown episode that we've done, isn't it, David? Yeah, and we've had to deal with a bit of admin trying to set this up and record remotely, but I think we've got it. I think the quality is pretty good, so I'm excited to hear how it actually sounds when we publish it. Yeah, this will be exciting. It's also a really good practice for us uh, for when we're even more socially distanced and actually in different countries in a few months' time. Very true, because I'll be moving to Sydney from New Zealand, uh, so we won't be able to meet up and record like we normally do, but I'm glad that we've got this sorted in advance so we can just get straight into it. And um, I guess we should just go straight into reflecting on game week one of the Premier League. So what were your key takes from last week? My key take, the first key take, don't we're going to have it. a please massive laugh it. about this. You know exactly please, please what I'm going to say. say. I really would prefer you didn't. <laughs> Liverpool are going to win the league. Oh, I thank God that's what you're saying. I thought you were going to say something else. Oh. Um, hold on. <laughs> nah, is, your, I mean... is your key take from last week a week where Man United absolutely tore it up and Fernandes got a hat-trick, Pogba got four assists, I believe. Your key take is that Liverpool are going to win the league. Did you see the way we dominated Norwich? We're going to do that for another 37 games. <laughs> I just, hate to break it to you, but... Just you wait and see. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but the minimum standard to be a good Premier League team is to dominate Norwich. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's actually been that way for maybe the last six years. Every big team has had a big win over Norwich. City's smashed them. I remember Arsenal smashed them three or four times. I think Chelsea's had a big romp against them. United definitely has. It's really I'm, not a big achievement. I get that. I get that. And I'm not just talking about the number of goals we scored because that's obviously, it's not really the storyline there. I'm just talking about how we played throughout the whole game. And for me going into the season, I was, I guess, a bit skeptical about how we would perform and whether some of our players who had a dip in form throughout all of last season would finally kind of get back up to their level and I think we're finally seeing that with Firmino getting a goal Jota's always got goals uh Virgil van Dijk was just cruising he looked really good so I think the signs for us were just amazing and um Um, can you talk me through quickly you just mentioned Jota can you talk me through what actually happened with him and Firmino how did how did you guys set that up so Jota started the game and Firmino came on as a sub in the... Oh, Google's not going to tell me. Surely it's going to oh, say no. 60th-something minute. Yeah, it was in the 60th-something. And then he scored in the 65th. Um, and I do remember it was just after he'd come on. Google's not going to tell me exactly when the sub was made. That's okay. Um, I don't think it's too important. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think... We'll probably end up starting Bobby against Chelsea. Um, it was more experience. a case of yeah, for the experience, and also he's still our number nine, right? I think there will be a bit more rotation this year, but in the big games and for the majority of the season, if he's fit, he's going to be the one starting games and playing the majority of games. 
Um, and Joth is just an absolute super sub bonus to have coming off the bench for us. Uh, interesting you say uh, that because I have been doing a bit of reading on on the Liverpool Reddit, and it seems like a lot of the fan base is wanting Jota to become that starting number. We nine. do, we and do absolutely. He's more of a goal threat. He um, always seems to contribute something, whether it's a goal or assist, in the fewer minutes he has. So I'd have to ask if he continues to perform well, and if he's getting the goals and assists, he's basically playing Firmino's role, but adding those goal contributions. Should he not be starting a few games into this season? Should he not become your number nine? I do. I absolutely agree we want him to become our number nine, but I just don't think it's this season. It might be a case of he's starting to get phased more and more into that front-line role, but I think for this season, Bobby's still our guy. And as much as I love Jota, and I know Pep Linders has come out and in the first few weeks of having him in training last season, he was already being hailed as like this pressing monster um, in training and he was really impressing everyone. But I think his work rate in games can sometimes drop off, um, especially on the defensive side of things, uh, because he is a bit more attacking-minded. So for that reason, I think Bobby's still preferred. And, I mean, if Firmino's scoring, giving us like... 10 to 12 goals this season, then that's all he needs to do um, in an attacking sense and contributing in that way. Um, yeah, that's but yeah, fair. I mean, that's fair. Abso- absolutely. Like from next season, if, if Jota was, like if for whatever reason we sold Bobby Firmino next summer and Jota was our frontline number nine, I'd be more than happy with that. That's, that's exactly what we want. Okay, so what you're saying is that you're seeing this more as a long-term transition into Jota, and that's fair. He is still quite young, and this season will really be his time to get a few more minutes and solidify that that future for himself. I I actually think absolutely. I do think he's gonna. I think around halfway through the season, you're gonna be seeing Jota starting more regularly. That's just 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 my opinion, but uh, I definitely could be proven wrong because I'm no Liverpool fan. I don't keep up with it as much as you do. Um, I do. I do think he'd contribute more for you throughout the season. And if, if if what you say is going to be true, if Liverpool are going to win the title against some very stacked teams in United and Chelsea and City, I think that Jota contributing those few extra goals on top of what Salah and Mane already do will be huge for you guys. Um, mm. But yeah, it will be yeah. interesting to see. I'm actually glad the first thing you didn't mention was Arsenal being absolutely trash because that's where I thought you were going. Uh, that was a disaster class. I I have to be honest, I didn't even wake up for it because um, for those of you listening overseas, we do wake up at around 3, 4, 5 a.m. So I, I missed that and I woke up at halftime, started watching the second half and was very glad I didn't wake up to see the first half because it was the kind of classic Arsenal football we've been seeing the last maybe two to three years, mostly not exciting not not too deadly. We did get some shots on, but not many on target. Pepe had a good crack. And it was just very upsetting to see that as a start to the season because I feel like your first game of the season often sets the tone for what's going to happen. Uh, mm. I do think the, the saving grace, though, is that both Aubameyang and Lacazette apparently tested positive for COVID, and that's why they weren't present. Holy frick, I did not hear about that. Yeah, and, well, there's a lot of drama. Arteta tried to get the game postponed 
um, which based on last Premier League season, that is the standard practice if you have a COVID exposure. But mm-hmm. I think just my my two cents would be, the, I mean, the Premier League did say no and it caused a lot of drama. Arteta is very unhappy about it. And I've got a feeling that that's because it's, this is the opening game of the Premier League season and to postpone that sets a very somber mood um, heading in with all the fans ready to go. So mm-hmm. I can understand why they wouldn't postpone it. I also think it might be just a general UK thing now, right? Because they're not being as anxious about cases popping up because they have such a high vaccination rate. So I think just in general, like they're not as concerned. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's, that's probably exactly it. It's, it's just something that they're going to have to live with. And so, yeah, without Alba and Lacazette, that's no experience on the pitch. And, um, yeah, other than that, some of the new signings are only just coming in now, like Erdegaard and Ramsdale. And Lokonga played played very well. He was actually... Him, Tierney, and ESR were the main highlights of the match. And then Saka, when he got his stint and came on, they were all exciting. The rest looked like a bit of dead wood. And I have to be honest, if I'm reflecting on one of our transfers, Ben White was appalling he only won just under half of his aerial jewels and his challenges is that what you expect for 50 million against a newly promoted striking duo a very deadly one i will say that (laughs) uh tony tony wasn't actually the deadly one i forget the other guy's name uh, he's classed as a midfielder and yeah that's the one Mbueno. he looked very deadly he was doing absolute bits and making a mockery of our defense but he's not the first to do so so he's nothing special <laughs> mm. talk to me a bit more about um Lokonga and Balogun because I'd never heard of these kids before oh so Balogun is from our academy he is someone who wasn't getting many minutes but he is very good and so fans were expecting him to leave in search of more regular football but we did manage to keep him signed on so i think mm-hmm. the plan is that we'll give him more minutes this season he didn't quite look ready enough um i'd still play Nketiah over him because even though Nketiah is not some world-class talent he bangs in the goals in the box and that's what we need whereas Balogun mm-hmm. still looks like he's needing some confidence um Lokonga, he just signed for us i think from a belgium team uh he is um he's a midfielder he's very good for link up play very exciting on the ball um i think he's going to be an ideal partner for thomas partner Pardé this season um mm-hmm. so yeah i'm i'm quite excited to see what happens with him he's very young i think he's only 23 and he's 21 21 oh even yeah. better we've got we've got two more years out of him yeah i think yeah he's been, i think he could he be had the, 69 appearances for underlecht oh fantastic yeah so i think he's going to be the missing piece in our midfield with him party um Erdegaard, and i don't know where we're going to fit smith rowan but based on how he performed last week i can't see him not being in the starting 11 Mm. Especially since you gave him the number ten jersey. That as well. That as well. You can't big give someone call. a number ten a very jersey big and not call. play them. Yeah. 
cool. But that's yeah, actually that's... a massive call now that you guys have brought in <laughs> Odegaard, right? Like you've yeah. signed someone with a bit more pedigree, but the youngsters still got the number 10. Yeah, I think they do play slightly different roles. ESR is more out-and-out and attacking mid, whereas Odegaard kind of sits a little back and cr- like controls the play. So uh, I do think they can work well in harmony together, and we saw that a bit last season. I just don't... I don't know how we're going to set up the midfield to fit all four of those guys in. Party, Lakonga, Erdegaard, and ESR. So Arteta has a bit of a selection problem on his hands, but I'd rather that than us struggling to find who to put in the team like we did at points last season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out for you guys. Mm, yeah, I do I do think... I'm not going to judge the whole season based on, on last week. That's a bit yeah. harsh. Uh, we just need to get our... Get our shit together real quick and 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 start and last person i just yeah and last person i just want to talk about quickly is martinelli because i know that he's someone you talked about a lot last season mm. um and he's obviously very highly rated amongst most of the, fa- the arsenal fan base um what did you think of him was did he have as much impact as you were wanting or i mean it's it's a it's his first game uh, for Arsenal in a little while. He did just play in Rio, and sorry, what am I saying? Rio. <laughs> he just played in Tokyo uh, with the Brazilian team, and so he did look pretty good. Uh, it wasn't his best performance in an Arsenal shirt, far from it. But it looked like he was pretty confident on the ball. He did what he could for the most part with what he was given, and I think. This season, you'll be seeing a lot more minutes with him. I think we might even see him tried in a number nine role, especially this week against Chelsea, if Lacazette and Aubameyang still aren't available. So uh, he's. I think it's a case of the team's going to be putting a lot of a lot of trust in him, and we're going to give him a lot of responsibility. And if he can live up to that, I can see him absolutely thriving and kind of being one of those young talents that really succeeds in the Premier League and then maybe ends up elsewhere, although he hasn't said he wants to leave Arsenal. He said he wants to stay here for his career. But I'm sure that's what every young kid says because it puts you in the, in the good books. So uh, I do think this is going to be a breakout season for Martinelli uh, if he can get enough minutes and stay fit because injuries are a bit of a, a risk for him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And um, looking at the other couple of games, we had City versus Spurs. To be honest, I'm not surprised with that result because with Nuno controlling Spurs now, he's he's an absolute genius at beating the big teams. Mm, he did it so much with Wolves. And now you could argue that he's got more talented players at his disposal. So Exactly. In fact, I think I remember a period with Wolves where they would beat the hard teams and lose to the easy teams consistently. So mm-hmm. it was a nightmare for fantasy because if you'd had a Wolves player in your team, you would take him out against the big teams, put him in against the small teams and get no returns. <laughs> so, so, hey, that's why he's perfect for Tottenham, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, they, they could use some big wins against the big teams. Uh, yeah. City, City looks okay, by the way. I don't, I don't know if they were in their best. Yeah, team. I think... I think it was a typical City loss, to be honest. Um, dominated. Oh, actually, 
yeah, like dominated possession, dominated passes, everything like that just didn't really come together for them um, in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, but you know they're yeah, going to do Pep, it this week against Norwich. You know they're going to come back strong. City always uh, come back strong after honestly, a loss. Honestly, I'm expecting like seven against Norwich. They will seven. be fuming. Oh, well. I was going to say four or five now, but um, that seven. Nah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. Let's say this: I wouldn't be surprised if they if they score seven. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make me go and double take what I'm what I'm seeing on the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, I think for City, it obviously sucks because now they're on the back foot for the entire campaign. Um, obviously, dropping three points, um, but they'll fight through it. They've been in worse positions before and still come out either on top or very close to winning the title. So definitely can't can't write them off for that. Yeah, definitely. And one more thing I just want to reflect on from last week is Ben Rama for West Ham. Do you know much yes. about the guy? Have you seen much of him? I have only seen a couple clips of highlights. I don't know a whole lot about him. So he did fantastically last week i think i think he might have got either two assists or one goal and one assist he got quite a few fantasy points that's that's the main thing that counts for me because he's in my team but he is an absolute baller he played a very good role for west ham last season but with lingard in their team lingard was the one who got more of those goal contributions with lingard gone i do think that this could be a breakout season for ben rama i think we could be seeing the kind of numbers we saw with Payet a few seasons ago. So I think he's definitely mm-hmm. one to watch based on last week. I just hope he can keep it up and be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. He um, He's one of the players I was highly considering change swapping into my fantasy team because <laughs> um, obviously he's had a big impact. So, yeah, and just he'd, he'd kind of flown under my radar because... I don't do as much research as you do with Premier League fantasy and whatnot. So, um, but we'll get to that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely someone I'll be keeping an eye on. But I think he's really exciting, um, and especially in a West Ham team, I think he fits in so well in terms of how they're going to play and um, how things will pan out. Um, yeah, definitely. So yeah, expecting big things from him. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to be moving into predictions. Delish has got a list of the fixtures for game week two up in front of him, and we're going to do these quick fire. Awesome. Uh, so first up this week we have Liverpool-Burnley. For me, this is a pretty comfortable win for Liverpool, hopefully. I'm going to say a struggling win for Liverpool. Burnley are a tough side, and if you look at Salah from the last few games against Burnley, he has struggled to get goals and assists. Fair enough. Uh, next up, Aston Villa, Newcastle. I think this is probably going to be a draw, but a high-scoring draw. Ah, uh, fair, like a two or three all. I could see that, but I'm going to go with a win to Villa because they didn't win their opening game of the season, and I think they're going to be pretty hungry for revenge, especially in a home game. Fair against a, uh, against a poor side. Um, Crystal Palace, Brentford. Brentford are going to take this one, 1-0. One no. I can see it. Yeah, I agree. Brentford, they look great. They were in good form last week. They look deadly. Uh, Leeds, Everton. I'm going to go just gut feel. 
probably a close win to Leeds. Just not really rating Everton right now. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say four three Leeds. Both these teams are not great with their defence, but they're very deadly in attack if they can if they want to be. So yeah, I could see a four three or three two kind of game to Leeds. Quick note on that. Apparently James Rodriguez is leaving or planning on leaving Everton. He's been quoted saying he doesn't even know who they're playing next. <laughs> that that's gold. Uh, I mean, that's also probably the least shocking transfer news I've heard this whole transfer window. He only joined for Carlo Ancelotti, and he's left. So <laughs> he has really nothing to stay for. All props to Everton. Great team. Love the club. But there's nothing keeping James Rodriguez there. Absolutely. Uh, Man City Norwich. We covered this earlier. Probably a big win for City. Yeah, you said 7-0. I'm going to say 4 or 5-0. In fact, I'm going to chuck a bet on 4 or 5-0 and see how I go with that. <laughs> uh, Brighton-Watford. Hmm. Um, I'm going to give Brighton the benefit of the doubt with this one. Um, I reckon it'll be close, but they might edge it for me. Yeah, uh, it, that's probably one of the toughest ones to forecast this week. The betting odds do have Brighton as the clear favourite, but I'm going to go against that. I'm going to say Watford. I think Saar is going to get a goal, and I think it's going to be an upset because Brighton don't have Lamptey, and their defence isn't as strong as it could be. Did you just say that the odds makers have Brighton as the clear favourite? What are the odds? Um, I did my multi last night, but it was about 1.8 for Brighton, and about 1.6 to Brighton, and about 3.5 to Watford. Oh, yeah, fair. For the Americans listening, we quote odds, and and also the Brits listening, we quote odds a little bit differently from you guys. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Up next is Southampton Man U. Uh, Pains me to say it, probably a comfortable win for Man U. Like a 3-1 ordeal. Yeah, I could see another big win. Uh, 3-1 sounds exactly correct, actually. I'd agree. Ah, here's a spicy one. Uh, Wolves, Tottenham. Damn, so (laughs) (laughs) it's like the little, you know the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other? I feel like that's what's going to happen because Wolves have been coached by Nuno for so long that I feel like it's that style of football's ingrained in them and now they're playing against Nuno's team. (laughs) Who is the new coach of Wolves? Genuinely, Uh no idea. It's this dude called Bruno Lage. Hmm, he's Portuguese. Ah, uh, well, that's continuing the tradition. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm gonna go um, so with so. Tot- so Tottenham against. Oh yeah. Actually, you first. This is a tough one as well. <sighs> so in a game where it's Tottenham against the Portuguese national team, um, I'm probably gonna go Portuguese national team. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on, let's just be clear It's the Portuguese bench Not the Portuguese starting 11 uh, um, True I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say Spurs No, I'm going to say a draw I'm going to say a one or one all or two all draw Okay Yeah, I was probably going for like a 1-0, 2-1 Wolves Oh, this next one's uh, going to hurt me Arsenal, Chelsea Yeah, big one for you You go first <sighs> So the odds do have Chelsea as clear favourites, but 
there's something about the fans the fans have returned to the ground that's a massive factor so it is a proper home game for Arsenal and I do think we're going to have a stronger team this week and Chelsea actually this is just in Pulisic has COVID so he won't be playing and he always plays well against us and I think Lukaku is playing so but he is fresh to the team I'm going to say I'm going to say a draw uh, Arsenal always seem to pull, pull off wins or draws against the big teams under Arteta. So I'm going to say draw. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I have to say it. I think this is probably going to be even a th- two or three nil win to Chelsea. Um, <sighs> I don't I don't think it will blow out of proportion. Um, but I just, I just can't see Arsenal really getting enough of a foothold in that game. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, last but not least, West Ham Chelsea. Uh, West Ham Leicester. Sorry. Damn, that actually takes uh, the cake for the hardest game to predict. Yes. Hmm. I'm so split. <laughs> I'm genuinely split am... as well. It's actually, you know oh, what? This probably... might be the most exciting game of the week because. If you think about the teams you've got going up against each other here, there are some really exciting players. Yeah, that's why I'm so torn. <laughs> you've got Vardy, Vardy and Antonio up at striker. You've got Ben Rama and Telemans in midfield. You've also got yeah, Madison. Hopefully Madison can play too. Yeah, this is going to be a really exciting game. I'm going to say... I, I'm going to go Lister. I am as well. I'm going to say a, a 2-1 or a 3-2 Leicester with Vardy scoring the winning goal. <laughs> Fairy tale. I love it. Um, yeah, um, I think West Ham are just a bit of a newer team. Um, maybe still still getting getting into the groove. Whereas Leicester, we know what that beast is. Yeah, that's that's going to be very tough. The games are really spread out this week as well. Yeah, yeah, they're like it's, it's starting like last week. Yeah, or even last season, where all of the games would be in like a two-day period. Interesting. It's going to be a very good week. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, and so what's Dave, your... Dave and I were both saying, Dave and I were both saying that we're just going to be watching a lot of football because <laughs> yeah. we have nothing else to do in lockdown. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this lockdown is, is looking like it's going to be extended a, a couple of weeks. Uh, so, mm. oh, the briefing's happening soon from, from Jacinda. So, Auntie Cindy. Um, if I had to just ask you, on those fixtures, we've got 10 games. Which one are you most excited to watch this week? Um, well, we just talked about West Ham Leicester. For me, it's actually... Arsenal Chelsea. Um, okay, interesting. I want to see how Chelsea go, and I think Arsenal will probably come out with a bit of bit more fight, especially London derby and all that jazz. Interesting. Yeah, um, I'd be more excited to watch it if we had our full strength lineup. I'm going to say my most. I'm going to pick two matches. My, I'm most excited for West Ham Leicester. That's going to be insane, and also Leeds Everton because, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of goals from both sides. Mm. Yeah, very. In exciting. terms of most boring match, I've got a feeling Wolves versus Spurs might take the cake. That could be a bit, bit of a dead rubber. 
Yeah. <laughs> That'll maybe maybe Watford. even Oh, Palace Brentford as well. Yeah, I was looking at Palace Brentford. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Brentford are exciting. Let's 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 not let's let's hold our horses. Yeah, there. true. Now we're going to try a new section um, called over or underrated. We'll probably need to come up with a better name than that. But... I mean, it's exactly what it is. Why, why, don't, we just, <laughs> why don't we just call a spade a spade? <laughs> uh, that's coming from a fan base who doesn't come up with good nicknames for their players. Um, anyway. Verge is not a creative nickname for Virgil <laughs> van Dyke. I, I need to stress that a lot. <laughs> Anyway, um, the whole point of this section is we'll come up with about five players um, that we want to pose to each other and just asking each other the question of whether we feel this player is overrated or whether they're underrated. Um, It's not meant to really turn into a massive debate, just kind of see how we're both feeling about said player. Um, So I've prepared a few. There's, There's a couple... Maybe straightforward ones in here, a few spicy ones, hopefully. Um, Hit me first with one it. I had, first one I had on my list for this week was Adama Traore. Overrated Absolutely or overrated. Underrated? I don't even need to let you finish asking the question. So overrated. So, if we're judging him based on athletics, his athleticism is next level. I don't know why he's not competing at the Olympics rather than competing in football. Because the main thing that you look for from a winger ultimately is you do need goal contributions whether they're coming in the form of goals or the form of assists and over the last two or three seasons he's contributed not much to Wolves he's contributed maybe I think he went an absolute calendar year without contributing a goal and assist wise I think he maybe got like three or four tops so he can do all the skills he wants he can look like an absolute tank he can have some of the fastest pace in the league I don't understand why he is starting for Wolves. I don't understand what he's adding to the team. And I think I think they could actually do better with someone who's, sure, not the most athletic, but can contribute those goals and assists. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, I have to say I agree with you. I think there was a lot of hype around him, especially very early on in his career, mostly because he comes from Barcelona originally, kind of came through their uh, youth system. Um, so that obviously gets you a lot of brownie points off the bat. And then obviously, as you mentioned, his physique is just insane. Um, but I mean, at the yeah, end look, of the day... If we're talking about the gym, I'm very jealous and I will take any tips he gives me. But if we're talking about football, I have a lot to learn. <laughs> but I'm yeah. not going to be taking tips from Adama Traore. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, I totally agree with you. I think he's become very overrated um, and Again, I don't understand how he's starting for Wolves because I've watched bits and pieces of their matches for about 15, 20 minutes at a time and every single play just seems to break when it gets to when the ball gets to his feet. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how Wolves fans feel about him, um, but obviously managers still rate him enough to keep playing him. It's almost like he's Cristiano Ronaldo without the ability to pass or shoot well (laughs) yeah sounds like a disabled football player (laughs) (laughs) so yeah hit me with your next one um actually how about i give you one you give me one yeah okay we can alternate 
Yeah, much easier that way. Okay, I'm going to give you one that's probably very easy, but I've got a feeling you might think differently. Paul Pogba. <laughs> Which Paul Pogba are we talking about? We're talking, we talking about the about current Paul Pogba. The Manchester, Manchester United, United Paul Pogba? Okay, we're not talking about French Paul Pogba. I mean, Paul Pogba French is Paul French. Pogba. He was born French and he'll be French for most of oh, his life. Oh, but I mean, like... <laughs> But Paul Pogba it, <laughs> playing for France. Yeah, no, we're talking about Pogba in the Premier League. Okay, Pogba in the Premier League is completely overrated. Like, this man is not an effective Premier League player. Sure, he'll get some amazing goals, he'll have some amazing plays, but all in all, I feel like, whether it's his attitude or just the way he attempts to involve himself in games he that play style is just not very well suited to the premier league and the teams and more more gritty players that he comes up against like he's a very silky player just like to be honest watching the way he prances around the field when he runs (laughs) makes me feel like i'm watching like equestrian at the Olympics, it's, it's, it's not like I'm watching a football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to. <laughs> That's honestly what it reminds me like. But I mean, obviously he's got the skills. I just don't think that in the Premier League he's the most effective player. That's why he's overrated. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think he sometimes he puts in those extraordinary performances like he just did last week, but he doesn't do them consistently enough, and I think that's the problem. The other issue I would say though is. With France, he gets to play in a much more attacking role, whereas with Manchester United having Bruno Fernandes mm. now, he kind of has to sit back a little more and accept that Fernandes is the one who's going to be getting most of those goals and assists. So I, even though I'm not judging him purely on goals and assists, I do still think he's a bit overrated, especially when you take into account value for money. They could have got someone a lot more effective at the job they're asking Pogba to do for a lot cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the last thing I'll say on that is he's a very hot and cold player. So he'll either have a week like last week where everything just pops off for him and he looks amazing, um, or he'll just be completely anonymous from a game. And you very rarely just get a string of maybe 7 out of 10 performances from him, which in the Premier League for a top team, you just can't have that. You need consistency at some level yeah 100 percent. because if, you, if we're talking about la liga where you can play average for six seven games in a row but it doesn't really matter because you're playing for barcelona or real madrid against small teams that doesn't matter and so i can actually see pogba thriving in that kind of league but when he's in the premier league where we've had this conversation so many times any of the top 15 could beat each other and you wouldn't be surprised then you need to be performing every single week and Maybe it just is the case that Pogba is meant to be one of the greats in like that French or Spanish kind of league rather than the English Premier League. Mm. Absolutely. Anyway, hit me the, with next the next one. one. The next one I've got for you is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Oh, that's an interesting one. So Overrated or underrated? That's an interesting one. I do think... Fairly rated is probably what I'd go for here. But if I had to err on the side of one of them, 
I would probably err on the side of underrated because I think... Really? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. I think he gets a lot of credit, but if you think about the amount of credit he gets for Liverpool compared to what some of your great wing backs or left and right backs get for other teams. So if you think of what people thought about Patrice Evra for Man United or uh, Marcelo for Real Madrid or Dani Alves for Barcelona, sure those guys did it for longer, but in two seasons Trent has contributed a huge amount. He was a bit more average last season and he's looking very good again this season. I do think that he should be respected and I don't think he quite gets the level of respect that he deserves. He got over 10 goals and assists, if I'm not mistaken, for Liverpool. Or was it just over mm-hmm. 10 assists? Uh, goals and assists. That's, yeah, that's unbelievable. And so I think for what he's contributing as a right-back, attacking-wise, definitely underrated. Defensively, I'd say probably overrated. There are better, better right-backs defensively. So... Yeah, that'll, that'll be mine. I'm going to split it into two. But overall, I would probably just actually net it out at, like, fairly rated. Yeah, fair. The, the main reason I wanted to put it on there is because there was obviously a lot of controversy about whether he should be included in the Euro squad for England. Um, Absolutely, so yeah. without a doubt. I, I think you should be. I think yeah. I think that fact that that conversation was happening is, is ridiculous. It's a bit bonkers. Um yeah, the one okay. thing I will, mm. I'll just defend him on is his defending. I think there are times when he can fall asleep, and that's he should be knocked down for that. But he's also come up against some top strikers, um, like Cristiano Ronaldo, and coming up against Raheem Sterling or whoever City put on the wing is no simple task. Um, like when they had Sane a couple of years ago and he just absolutely locks these guys down um mostly because he has the speed to stay with them and things like that but i think that side of his game is really underrated and people people forget about performances like those too easily yeah that's very true that is very true anyway who you got for me hit you with jack Grealish. ah dude overrated for me what yeah Oh, we're going to have to disagree there, but I oh, just, what's, what's your thinking there? I just don't really see it. I mean, I get that he's a good player, and it might just be all of the hype that we've had around him for the past six to eight months, which makes me say that. But I think... Oh, like, I get, I get that he got heaps of goals. I get that he's a really influential player, especially when he was at uh, West Ham. But... Yeah, just overrated. Like, I don't think he's actually that good yet. He is really good. I just don't think he's as good as people think he is, which is why I'm saying overrated. That's fair. I guess if we're taking into account the fact that Man City just paid, what, $120 million for him, then... Yeah. Then I think... Like, for me, for me I, think, for I think... A f- yeah, I think a fair valuation for him. And, of course, like, he's English. He's always going to be overpaid for and whatnot. But a fair valuation for him, for me, would be around 70 mil. Like, yeah, I'd agree I get with that. that. Um, I'd agree with that, yeah. I, I do think, though, 
in terms of if you take out money from the equation i do think for me he's still underrated the fact that he wasn't a consistent starter for the england euro team despite being one of the most influential players on the pitch and the fact that he was the core of aston villa's team who if we're just looking at last season alone they were one of the top top six performing teams then i do think that he's underrated in that respect and he's not getting enough credit he's getting all the credit in the world though is he because it seems like every everything he does it he gets it gets a bit overlooked no and most people uh, have a similar view to you which is oh city paid too much he's overrated not worth it uh yeah i only kind of threw that in at the end i still think like and he's a great player i just don't think he's as good as people think he is yeah fair enough that's nice. so yeah that's why i say he's overrated cool well hit me with your next one uh next up i had timo Werner. that is a tough one um <laughs> Yes, I'm they gonna got some spicy this. ones in. Okay, look, I'm going to base this purely on his performances for Chelsea from from when he signed to until last week. Yeah, overrated. Mm-hmm. We have to be honest here. He he's had multiple chances with easy goals for any other top striker where he's fobbed it and he hasn't scored. And it hasn't just been one or two. It's been pretty consistent throughout his time at Chelsea. I don't know what's happened to him. It seems like he's had a huge knock to his confidence, which used to be his main thing. Timo Werner was extremely reliable in Germany. And it, it was it, it was easy for him to score goals. That's why he wanted to leave almost. It was probably just too easy and he wanted a harder challenge. And he's come to the Premier League. Something's happened to his confidence. He just does not look like a confident striker on the ball anymore. And I don't think that Chelsea can be relying on him as their main striker, which is probably exactly why they've signed Lukaku. Maybe having two strikers up front will ease the pressure on Werner and it will help him perform better. I hope so, for his sake. Because he's a very nice guy, so even though I hate Chelsea, I do want him to perform well. (laughs) But I just don't see him as a top striker in the Premier League. If you had to ask me who who are your top eight strikers in, or ten strikers in the Premier League, he wouldn't. I wouldn't even consider him on the list right now. So for that reason, I do think overrated. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, again, it's, it's probably a product of all the hype that uh, was around him in the Bundesliga and when he came over, you're obviously expecting that to just translate straight away um but yeah he hasn't he hasn't lived up to what we know he can do um and yeah honestly i'm exactly the same position as you i really want him to do well um as long as chelsea don't win the league over liverpool but um (laughs) no and i i you like the dude right and um he's obviously got a lot of talent he's got all of the attributes to be a very exciting player to watch. Um, and yeah, just kind of hope it comes together a bit more for him. Um, I also read a quick article sometime last week, uh, which was saying that a Chelsea fan was yelling abuse at him at an open training session, which is just not on. 
Okay, so we're just going to push forward and continue with a couple more of these overrated or underrated. I'm quite enjoying them, to be honest. So the next one I'm going to hit you with, I'm actually going to go down to the bottom of my list here. Bukayo Saka. He is... Uh, it's another one. I think he's fairly rated. Um, I think maybe if you'd asked me this like three or four months ago, I would have said underrated. Um, but I think, especially with his performances at the Euros, people are starting to recognize uh, what his capability is. Um, and I think that's reflected in the shock and confusion um, of him not being included in the starting lineup um, of Arsenal last weekend. Um, if I, I again, if I, I had... was both shocked and confused. <laughs> if I had to go one way, I would probably go towards slightly overrated now, only because people are expecting big things from him, and he just needs to match that expectation now. Um, but it's it's that reason and that reason alone that I'd say he's he's slightly overrated. Otherwise, I think he's he's an amazing talent. And again, another one I just you want to watch him play and just see what he can do, um, both for Arsenal and individually. Yeah, definitely. To be honest, I agree with all of that. I think at his current point, slightly overrated because he needs to live up to the hype that has been built up around him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so hit me with your next one. Okay, my last one for you um, is going to be Chris Wood. Underrated. Like, in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with something here. I think he is the most underrated player in the Premier League. Chris Wood has now gone five seasons in the Premier League without scoring less than ten goals. So yeah. Usually, what you expect of one of your strikers, whether you're playing two up front or one, a good Premier League striker gets at least 10 goals a season. A great one gets over 15. An exceptional mm-hmm. one gets over 20. And a world class one gets over 25. And he's got an over 10 for five seasons in a row. And that makes him a solid Premier League striker, especially when you're playing in. A team like Burnley, who for the most part is a bit more proper English football, not as exciting. They're just playing to get some dubs and stay up every year, maybe get get mid-table. So the fact that he's managing to get such consistency with his goals for five seasons in a row in that kind of side, for me, says completely underrated, given that no one talks about him. Yeah. I have to agree again. Um, And I think you just, from a New Zealand point of view, you look at how much it meant to have him part of our Olympic squad and especially captaining um, a few of the games because Winston Reid was injured for various parts of that Olympic campaign. Um, And you just see how starstruck, I guess, might even be the word, like some of our young New Zealand players are, to be on the same pitch in the same team as a guy like Chris Wood now. Um, So from a New Zealand point of view, I think we all appreciate how much he's done and what he's achieved. 
Um, but yeah, definitely on a Premier League scale. I guess there's just bigger stars that take all of the attention, so you don't really hear a lot about him. Um, well, that's exactly yeah. it. He's not a sexy striker. He's not going to score your worldly goal. He's not going to score your screamers. He's not going to score... Say that to his face. <laughs> but he's not. He knows he's not. Yeah. He knows that's not the kind of striker he is. He's the striker who... He plays two, usually two up front, and he'll get you 10 to 15 goals a season. And... You don't have to give him instructions. You don't have to tell him how he's going to do it. You just have to trust him, and you know he's going to get that done for you. And whether that's tap-ins, headers, doesn't matter. He's got to score the goals. And I respect that because we put so much emphasis on skills nowadays and looking sexy, but what a lot of those players miss is just the consistency to score. And I really respect that Chris Wood can do that, which is why he's going to be coming into my fantasy team when Burnley have a good line of fixtures, because that consistency is key. I, I want it in my team. I want to be able to just pop him in and know he's going to get the goals. So mad mm. respect. And okay. Last one from you. Yeah. I'm going to hit you with, I've got two here. I could ask, I'm going to hit you with Ivan Tony from Brentford. Their 32-goal uh, striker from last season. Yeah, so offline, just for everyone, David City had one for me <laughs> where my answer would probably be um, can't make an accurate judgment yet because I don't really know a lot about him. And this is the one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I can ask you a different one if, you, if you'd like to make an accurate judgment. I mean, no, nah, I'll, I'll throw an opinion out there. Why not? Um, I'm going to say underrated. Because, Even with all the hype around him? Yes. Because I think even though he had an amazing season in the championship last year, um, there's always this per- perception that he's just another championship striker who's going to come up to the Premier League and find it really tough and maybe just fall off the edge of the earth and we'll never hear about him again. Um, And I think just from the way he conducted himself against Arsenal and um, watching the way he he defends and just applies himself in a game, I think that all of that is underrated because people would maybe only see him as, he's just a striker up top, he's just there to maybe let the rest of his team do all of the work and um, he's just there to get the goals and win games, which he does. Um, But I think there's so much to, there's so much more to the way he plays and the way he approaches a game. um, And all of that is underrated by people. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And the only small thing I'll add on that is his confidence is unreal. He made a statement before game week one telling people, he should be in their fantasy teams and he's going to he's gonna get the goals. So he does believe in himself, even in the Premier League, and I think that goes a long way, that confidence. In fact, give, give Timo Werner Tony's confidence. I think we will see him very dearly, Chelsea. Um, although we will anyway with Lukaku. So, yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with you for the most part there. If we're making comparisons like that about players we've talked about, Chris Wood needs to have a masterclass with Adama Traore. 
<laughs> that that's very true Adama Traore with Chris Wood's consistency you know what maybe we can do this next week's segments combining two, two, two players and their attributes to make super players Let, let's, let's save that for next yes, week we're tabling that for sure okay so now we're going to be moving on to a one off segment we're going to be rating the transfer windows of the big six teams so we've got arsenal united chelsea city spurs and liverpool in fact we might be revisiting this in a week or two because the transfer window hasn't finished but usually we can get a pretty good sense of how a team's done in the window at this point so who do you want to start with i'll leave that with you uh i reckon just for logistics sake let's go alphabetically yeah fu- fuck it why not? let's do that <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start off here. I, I genuinely think Arsenal are having an 8 out of 10 window. So my reasoning for that is we've got some very clear holes in the team. We've got very clear areas that need to be buffed. And that's kind of what we've done. We've brought in Nuno Tavares, um, who is a left back. So that really buffs up our left back position because Tierney does get injured here and there and we do need a, a strong left back who's not Kolasinac who I don't know I don't know what he adds to the team anymore he does not have a nice play style that fits in with Arteta's vision so bringing in Tavares is really good we've got Lokonga in the midfield a very exciting uh, link up play midfielder so again that's someone we needed because Partey gets injured and um, Xhaka sometimes isn't the right kind of player so that fits in well Ben White's probably a bit expensive. We did chuck $50 million on him. I'll admit that. But he was a really good defender for Brighton. And I think if he can settle in at Arsenal well, he's a young guy. He's only 23. That gives him a huge future at Arsenal. And it kind of solidifies our, our defence. Besides our right-back position, which is a bit of a problem still, is a nice, young, future world-class defence. So I'm happy with that. We've just signed Erdegaard. So that's a fantastic signing for the attacking midfield. And we've also got Ramsdale, and he offers, like I've said to you outside of the podcast, a very different style of defending and goalkeeping to what Leno offers. Uh, so I'm pretty happy with that. And on top of those signings, we've gotten rid of a, some dead weight. We've sent out William Sullivan on loan again, and I, I wish he was in the team, but we can't have too many defenders just sitting around. We've loaned out Gwendouji. Willock is sold to Newcastle for $25 million. So... We've gotten rid of... Oh, and we've also gotten rid of David Louise. I will miss him, but time to go. And Matt Ryan was the end of his loan from... Where, did he... Where was he on loan from? Brighton? I think so. I have no idea. Hmm, that's interesting. find out. But, um, yeah, I think overall I'm giving Arsenal an 8 out of 10. It's been a very big transfer window so far. We've addressed most of the areas we need improvement. I think the last two areas is we need a right back we need someone who's not Bellerin because he hasn't been the same since his injury there's Achilles a couple years ago and we need a striker we need a dedicated striker who is younger more exciting and fits Arteta's play style which Aubameyang and Lacazette don't quite do yeah I think agree with all of that analysis I'd probably give you guys a 7 or 8 out of 10. Um, that's been massively bumped up after the Odegaard signing. Um, and I think 
Aaron Ramsdale is probably a really good pickup for you guys. Um, Because Leno, he has been really solid for you, but I think we're all maybe starting to see a bit of fatigue um, starting to affect him. So, yeah, having a bit more competition in that position is always good. Um, Mm. Yeah, I think you've, you've addressed some of your main weak points quite well. Um, obviously, the big last missing piece um, is just a more prominent striker who's who's going to do the job for you guys. Um, yeah, yeah oh, sorry, I think one more also, thing. I'll... Oh, yeah, go yeah, for it. Last thing I was going to say is just seems like you guys have gotten rid of a lot of dead weight, which is really nice, um, especially for Arteta and thinking about the dressing room situation. Um yeah, probably just makes his life a lot easier. Yeah, and I think the last two things I'll add on this is all five of our signings really want to play for Arsenal. They're not coming to Arsenal as a second choice. They're not coming to Arsenal because they want to use it as a stepping stone elsewhere. Quite a few of those guys are Arsenal fans, which you could see from their Twitter history when they were younger. And um, so I think... Culture-wise, it's really important for a team that's rebuilding like Arsenal to have players that really want to be there. And it creates a good culture where the young guys are inspired. So I really like that. And I think the second thing is these are all young guys. They're all under 25. So the last couple of seasons, we've made signings like David Luiz and Willian, which no one really understood why we're making those signings. They're on the end of their career they're on the home stretch they're not as good as they used to be and they cost a lot that's not what we should have been doing at all and this makes a lot more sense getting these young guys in so they're all going to mature in the same kind of time period probably two to three years from now that's when they're going to be maturing and then i think that's when we're going to see a really deadly arsenal side so i think it's really clear what ated is trying to do i really back it looks good Mm. question Mm. Would you have liked to see Danny Ings at Arsenal? 100%. I think uh, he's a missing... He fills that missing piece of the puzzle for us. He's an out-and-out striker, Premier League proven. Also, like Chris Wood, very consistent when he's given the minutes and isn't injured. So someone like him or someone like Antonio from West Ham, they would be fantastic in an Arsenal side. To be honest, even someone like Chris Wood fits in Arteta's strategy well we do a lot of crosses and he's very good on getting at the end of them so I don't think we need to look too expensive for a striker we don't need a Lukaku or a Werner or um or we don't need even like a Firmino or Jota type player we just need a Premier League proven good striker and I think he'll thrive in Arsenal cool let's move on to Chelsea Wow, I was starting to doubt how well you knew your alphabet there to go in alphabetical order. Yeah, Chelsea. No, just, what what do you rate their window? Too. They've only brought in Lukaku, and they've gotten rid of Tamari, Abraham, uh, to AC Milan and Roma, and Batshuayi is out on loan, as well as a lot of other Chelsea players. Yeah, I mean, the out list for Chelsea is nothing new. They do that every season. Um, I'm actually a bit disappointed that Billy Gilmore is going out on loan. Um, I think. Do you want to inform me who Billy Gilmore is? That 
I genuinely don't know. That's don't know who I, Billy Gilmore is. I have, I have not followed Billy Gilmore he's too closely. A, he's a he's a young Scottish prodigy. Um, he's burst onto the scene, especially last season, um, when he was properly part of the Chelsea squad. They gave him. I'm pretty sure it was like his debut last season and stuff um, in the Premier League. He is a 20-year-old Scotsman. Um, he's already doing great things with the Scottish national team. Um, he's played a few games with Chelsea, like I've said, and he's just a really highly rated uh, UK player. Um, yeah, I think he's. we've had limited exposure to him in the Chelsea shirt, um, he really acquitted himself well during the Euros for Scotland. Um, got lots of good experience under his belt there. And I think it is probably a season too early. Like, Chelsea probably have just made the right call here, just send him out on loan um, to to Norwich, actually. Damn. And is he starting for Norwich, um, or is he on their bench? I think he's on the bench. Uh, I don't think he started against us last week. Um, but again, I guess he's probably going to get more game time there than he would at Chelsea, so good call from them. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm maybe just a bit disappointed that a young young up-and-coming guy like that won't be in and around the talented squad that they have. Um, but yeah, I mean, game time at the end of the day when, when you're that age probably counts for more so true but the poor guy's gonna get absolutely whopped by man city this weekend <laughs> he's probably <laughs> gonna get whopped by most teams this season but hey yeah premier league experience is premier league experience i feel sorry for norwich some teams come up into the premier league and they they really make it their own and like brentford looks like they're gonna do uh yeah and we've like seen... leeds did Brighton's done it, um, so there's been quite a few that have done it. And Wolves has done it fantastically. Burnley so, now too. Leicester. Um, so there's some teams that really do it well. Norwich has had chance after chance, and they seem to be in this endless loop of coming to the Premier League, get thrashed by everybody, get relegated, dominate the championship, and come back. So I don't really know what's happening. It's like, you know that movie from when we were kids when... There was the kid who was trapped in summer, so every single day was the same day of his summer vacation in, in high school. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. I think it was a Nickelodeon original. But it feels like that's what Norwich has been going through for the last eight years. They're just re- in repeat of this, get thrash, dominate, get thrash, dominate. And the fans must genuinely be starting to become a bit bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> I think they always were. <laughs> um, Are you making a general comment there about Norwich or <laughs> <laughs> just being a football fan in general? Fair enough. Um, so, what would you rate Chelsea's transfer window out of ten? Yeah, going back to it, uh, probably, probably just like a six, six, maybe a seven. Um, Lukaku is obviously a marquee signing for them. Um, you know, he's going to come in and have a proven impact. Um, yeah, I think they, they obviously did most of their business last summer, so there was never going to be anything too dramatic from them, although it turns out they bought Lukaku. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was mainly just uh, stabilise the squad, um, maybe plug a gap up 
Watford striker where they were having some conversion issues. But yeah, yeah. overall probably probably a six or a seven for me. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll give them a I'll give them a six. Actually no, I'll give them a seven because getting Lukaku is a very big achievement. I do rate that. I think the reason I'm not giving them lower is they genuinely don't have many areas of the squad they need to buff up. They've got a good attack, they've got a good midfield, the likes of Habits and Zayek in there, so and Mason Mount. In terms of their starting eleven, they really didn't have much work to do. Even with Timo Werner there, it's not the worst thing in the world. If he gains confidence, he'll be world class. So I think the fact that they've got Lukaku's great, um, they could probably have signed a few more people to buff up their bench. So I'll give them a seven for that. Sweet. So who's next uh, in alphabetical order if you can if you can remind me? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, Liverpool. Um, I'd give us probably a six. Um, so just to recap, firstly, who who have Liverpool brought in and who have they sent out? Yeah, so I'm giving us a six overall. Uh, the only player we've brought in so far is Konyate from RB Leipzig. Um, tall beast of a centre back. So that was a centre back or centre mid? Centre back. Oh, right. Interesting. I haven't actually yeah, followed him yeah, too closely. Nah, check him out. He's an absolute beast. Big How French tall is lad. He? I don't have all those. Well, luckily, we have Google, and he is 1 meter 94. That is outrageous. He's an absolute tower. Jeepers. Him next to Just Virgil imagine Dyke him is next to, to... Oh. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're in for some <laughs> trouble facing Liverpool. Ex- yeah, so you've, exactly. So that so was you've brought in him. That was massive for us. Thirty-six mil pounds, bit of a steal to be honest. He is a bit young, but in today's transfer market, that's Leipzig. an absolute steal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really happy with that. Um, the only kind of disappointing thing is we let go of Genie Van Eldum on a free. Um, I mean, honestly, not not mad not like it's okay that we let him go um and he's not part of the squad i think we have more than enough midfield cover um but yeah we're missing a bit of a what would you call it just a really consistent player in midfield i think he played every single premier league game for us last season so finding that consistency from somewhere else is going to be interesting um but yeah i think we're in a similar spot to Chelsea in that we already had quite a stable squad. There's no glaring holes in terms of what we needed. So, yeah, Konya, oh, I mean, if there was a glaring hole, just look at all the injuries we had at centre-back, and we've kind of addressed that with Konyate. So, um, yeah, I think satisfying, not out of this world, not anything that's going to really be eye-catching, but just did what we needed to. So six. Yeah, I'm actually going to match that. I'm also going to give you guys a six. Similar reasons to Chelsea. I don't think you needed too many transfers. You've got a very solid team. It's a Champions League and Premier League proven side. So it really wasn't a case of replacing players. It was just a case of buffing up the areas where you needed to. And you've done that perfectly with Konyate. 
because him and Virgil together are going to be fantastic. And you've got him for a steal, like you said, 36 million in today's market is so cheap for a good center back. So, I mean, look, we, we just paid 50 million for Ben White. So, um, I, I do think you've done fantastically there. Sad, like you said, to lose one Eldon on a free, but it's not the worst thing. You've still got a stacked midfield. Um, the one thing is interesting is selling Harry Wilson to Fulham for 12 million. Is that just because he wasn't reaching his potential? Um, or was I there not don't... place in the team for him to reach his potential? That's exactly what it is. Um, and you saw a similar thing. We've done it with a few players now, like going all the way back to Jordan Ibe, who was a really promising young player for us. Well, ages ago, five, five years ago now. Um, but we started, and I hope they've been doing this with uh, transfers like this, where we're willing to let a player go. Um, and Klopp actually said something about around this when we sold um, Rian Brewster to Sheffield. Um, for 25 we saying, you guys did them so dirty doing that. <clears throat> hey, he's a great player. Um, not a 25 mil great player, but go on. Anyway, yeah, we did kind of fleece them, but hey, that's our job, right? Um, yeah, the whole point and, and, and the whole idea behind letting these young, talented players who have obviously come through our academy and stuff, letting them go, is realizing that if you take kind of competition out of it, right? Um, if you're just looking at a football player who wants to be a professional and have a long-lasting career, it's much better for that player to not not have this cloud of Liverpool over them while they're trying to develop. And it's a lot better for them to go out, uh, kind of trailblaze their own path um, and have more of an opportunity because they already have kind of the Liverpool name behind them, right? Um, but it just gives them a chance to just go out, do their own thing, prove themselves. And then what we've been really smart about, I think, is having clever buyback clauses in, in those contracts. So <clears throat> if they do go out and, I don't know, say become the next Lukaku, then we have an easy way of bringing them back into our squad. So I think it's a really good strategy. Like, not only is it kind of trying to achieve the best outcome for a young football player um, and sort of acknowledging that Liverpool as a club, as much as we want to give them game time, probably won't be able to give them as much game time as they need. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think it strikes a good balance, and that's exactly what's happened with Harry Wilson here. Like... Yes, he is good enough to be part of our squad. It's maybe just a bit of personal preference or his play style or just someone obviously had to make the decision to say, hey, we've got other players who could probably do the same role. So it's better for you in the long run in your career to leave Liverpool. Just go go be amazing somewhere else. And then if if we do need you back, then... I'm hoping that clause is in there that we can we can get him back if we need to. Yeah, fair enough. No, that's a that's a really good explanation. Cheers for that. 
Um, so yeah, we, we agreed much for the most part on Liverpool's transfer window. Does that bring us to Manchester City? Uh, let me check my alphabet. <laughs> yeah, it does. I'm glad to know the alphabet hasn't changed. Uh, <laughs> so Manchester City only brought in Jack Grealish from Villa in a paid transfer for a hundred million pounds. So one twenty million euros roughly. And they've also got Scott Carson in from Derby on a free. Scott Carson, is that a goalkeeper? Yes. He hold on. He's if an I'm old not mistaken, he is a very old goalkeeper. He is oh no, he's only thirty five, but he looks a lot older than that. Just saying his name feels old. Mate, he looks he, he he's <laughs> gotta be like forty five in terms of how he looks. I think he for, is he missing a tooth in this pic? No, oh it's just a big tooth oh gap. It's just a gap. <laughs> yeah. What a man. It looks like a full on missing tooth. Sorry, Carson. Sorry. Um, yeah, sorry, Scott Carson. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so if we're thinking about Man City's transfer window, this is my perspective. They have a very clear gap they need to fill. Wait. Oh, no, that's right. And a very dominant squad who has a bench which could rival some other teams' first 11s. They've got one clear gap right now, which is their striker position. They've just lost Sergio Aguero to Barcelona on a free transfer. doesn't matter that it's free. It's Manchester City. It really doesn't make a difference. But they've spent £100 million on a midfielder in a team where their midfield is stacked. They've got Mares, they've got De Bruyne, they've got Phil Foden, they've got Bernardo Silva, they've got Gundogan, they've got Rodri. What on earth did they actually need Jack Grealish for? So if I'm thinking about it logically, he's English, so that's good for them. He is young, so that's a nice investment. I just think that they could have put some of that hundred million pounds into a world-class striker because if we're thinking, will Jesus throw them into a Champions League final and win them the Premier League? I don't think so. He's a great striker. He's one of the best in the Premier League, but he's not, I wouldn't put him top five strikers. And I think if they want to win the Premier League and win the Champions League, they need one of those top five strikers. So overall, I give City... A four out of ten for this window. Yeah, I agree. Um, exact same analysis and reasoning. Just don't like I I mentioned it earlier. Just don't really get the Jack Grealish. Obviously, the price point is inflated. Yeah, they have too many midfielders. He's just another another cog in the wheel at this point. Um, they could have paid an extra fifty million and gone Harry Kane. So, um, yeah, just just a bit of a meh transfer window from them. Really, I mean, not yeah. like they needed to do a whole lot, um, but they did lose arguably the best striker that their club has ever seen. Um, oh, he is one of the key reasons Man City became what they are today. Um, mm. I mean, his his goal against who was it in the final final game of that, QPR. that season? It was against QPR. That goal is, I'd say, the greatest moment in Premier it's League history. Goated. So he he is a goat in the Premier League. But yeah, it's uh, I think City are kind of losing their vision of where they want to go forward. I'm not too sure what mm. they're doing. I mean, they've even got Ferran Torres, who's a winger, 
and they've got Sterling and as a winger. Playing, and they play him up top. <laughs> yeah, it just it doesn't make quite make sense to me. With a, a team with so much squad depth, why do they not have an out-and-out striker besides Gabriel Jesus? It just doesn't make sense. Mm. So, um, yeah. Weird thing with Scott Carson. He used to play for Liverpool back in the day. I thought I knew him from one that's, of the big that's teams. That's why I recognise the name. And I was listening to uh, Stephen Gerrard's autobiography about his last couple seasons in, at Liverpool, and he mentioned Scott Carson from when he first played in uh, the England squad. Um, and apparently he Carson made like a whopping error in one of his first games for England and it like, cost them the game. Um, and that kind of just dented his confidence for like the rest of his career. So I'm not sure what they're trying to achieve with Scott Carson either. Uh, to be honest, I think I think City they already have a second keeper, so I think they're just looking for some. That's just your classic squad depth and having an older keeper who can provide some wisdom. Although I'm not sure how much wisdom Scott Carson. That's can, that's my point. That's my point. Yeah. Like I realize he's not going to be playing, but <laughs> do you want that? quote-unquote caliber (laughs) yeah that's a good point um i don't want to roast poor old scott carson too much yeah we've been tough on him (laughs) but but i do agree with you um so does that bring us to manchester united next yeah it does thank you yeah so they've brought in Jaden sancho for from dortmund for 73 million pounds uh and they've brought in tom heaton from aston villa on a free and the only main Exits are Sergio Romero, whose contract expired, and you've got Alex Tuanzebi, who has been loaned to Aston Villa. So, off the bat, there for me, I think that's a six out of ten window. Again, United have a pretty good squad all round. They could buff it up some more, especially the the subs. In fact, I'm going to give it a five. I'm, I'm going to change that because I do think Sancho is a good signing because he has a really good relationship with Rashford. And probably also with Greenwood. So having those strikers who have grown up playing with each other, and by strikers I do just mean attacking players who score goals. So um, those are all of them. I do think that having that good relationship and growing up playing together is so important. And it's going to put that trio definitely ahead of some other um, front threes that we've seen in the Premier League. So... Uh, I do I do give them props for that. However, they could have made some other good signings to buff up their bench. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a five. Um, yeah, um, I'm in the same boat. I just don't really... <laughs> I just don't pause. really rate... No, I was thinking about it, and this is going to turn into an over-underrated thing. That's why I paused. But, yeah, just don't really... Like, Sancho's good, but, yeah, we need to see how he goes in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not overly convinced by that. If anything, I'm happy that United, quote-unquote, wasted, like, 73 mil on Sancho just so that they could have another marquee signing for the summer. It seems to be the fuel that their club runs on, so... That's great. Um, I'm really not too fussed by it. It's just a bit of a meh thing. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give them five. It's neither here nor there for me, really. Like I know, yeah. I know he's a big player. He's one of the 
biggest talents in the world, but yeah, and until he does something, I'm not I'm not really worried about it, not thinking about it too much. Yeah, fair enough. Um so what was the rating you gave then? Five. Five just, as well. Yeah. And so we'll finish on Tottenham. They've brought in I genuinely didn't know these players. <laughs> Christian Romero, who is Atalanta's centre back, or was for that matter, for forty seven mil. And a man that looks like he's literally straight out of the Beatles, Brian Gill from Seville for £21.6 million plus Eric Lamella. Let me get this straight. 21.6 plus Lamella. This guy must be pretty decent because that puts his price at about, what, £45 million? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, look, at face value, I don't know too much. Romero would be a pretty good signing because Atalanta did really well last season. Um, they had a good Champions League run. So I do think that's good for Spurs. They do need a little bit of a buff in their in their, um, in their their defence. Yeah, well, their tried and tested centre-back pairing of... Uh, why am I forgetting the names? Vertonghen and... Damn, I'm forgetting as well. Um, Elderwild. That's the one. Um, yeah, they've they kind of passed it, right? So I think they're just looking for a bit of cover, someone else to take over that role, which makes yeah. sense. What I will say, though, is... And then they're probably just... Yeah. Uh, go on. Uh, and then I was saying they're probably just looking for a bit of a refresh in terms of attacking flair or just something, something more in an attacking sense. Lamella was getting a bit... A bit old, but I don't know. I feel like I'm being really savage towards players now. <laughs> yeah, that, that, but, that, that's um, a fair call. He didn't do much but, for Spurs, but yeah, just just a bit stale, I guess, is the word. Like he is really exciting, but just you just don't get that feeling. Uh, I guess just as a football fan in general, when he's yeah, on the ball, that's true. Um, I do think Gill's interesting. He hasn't scored that many goals as a winger. Um, I think. If you're not scoring that many goals in Spain, how many are you going to score in England? That's my question. So I'm not too sure about that logically. And also, Romero for £47 million. So being a centre-back in the Premier League is very different to being a centre-back in your French, Spanish and Italian leagues. It's a lot more physical. So they're paying pretty much the same price as Arsenal paid for at least Premier League-proven Ben White. It doesn't quite make sense to me. I feel like they've definitely overpaid for Romero. It, I can't quite add that up. You've, you you guys paid $35 million for Cunata. So, like, it doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, this will be an interesting one to see how he actually ends up performing. Yeah. It's very so, interesting how Danny Rose um, just said sayonara. Well, he, he I feel like he I feel... a major player for Spurs for a while. No, but I feel like that was mainly just a big beef that he had with Mourinho. So, that's true. Yeah, that's interesting because I still think like he's still a decent left back. Like he's not past it by any means. I still remember the screamer a... he scored against Arsenal. Oh. <laughs> that's Ouch. that's the one thing I always remember about <laughs> Danny Rose. Um, yeah, overall I give Spurs a probably a five out of ten. Yeah, just I'd I'd probably even give them a four. 
yeah it's it's yeah <laughs> like, let's give it a four they actually could, they, they could have tried a bit harder it goes, <laughs> it goes it, a bit harder it's a line it, and a half <laughs> it goes to negative five if they lose harry kane instantly. oh my god yeah if they lose harry kane that is an absolute disaster because they really need to replace him in a very short period of time but interesting so arsenal we both agree had the best transfer window all around i, I guess it wasn't hard this year is not the most exciting for transfers yeah, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Still a few big names changing changing location. Yeah, very true. Um, so just to finish off with, how about we go through any changes we've made to our fantasy teams this week? I guess it is a bit of a spoiler because we can still make changes before the window closes for the week. So I hope you don't copy me because I know you said you do yours late, but I'm interested to hear what you're thinking. Yeah, so I, I'll go first then, because um, I haven't officially made any changes yet. Um, but, so just to recap on my team at the moment, I have Edison in goal, uh, Trent, right, uh, Trent uh, Aaron Cresswell, Ruben Diaz, Aaron Wambasaka at the back, Salah, Madison, Saka, and Fernandez midfield, and I have Harvey Barnes and Bamford up top. Um, on the bench, I have Fraser Forster, Koch from Leeds, Basuma, and Davis. Um, I did. I was worrying about Madison because he came out of the first, the opening game with a bit of an injury. So that's kind of why I was holding back as well because I want to keep him in my team. But if he's not going to play, then I would have swapped him out. Um, the biggest thing that I was looking at changing was probably just swapping out Saka, to be honest. Because <laughs> if if Arsenal aren't going to be doing doing amazingly, then it's going to be hard for him to have a platform to a do well and doing well gets gets me fantasy points. Um, so I was just looking at a few replacements for him, um, and I was looking at bringing in someone like Ben Rama or maybe. a bit more of an attacking threat uh just from another team um that's the main change i was gonna make was also potentially gonna bite the bullet um and take take a four point hit for swapping up barns for someone potentially um yeah but I'm gonna, the main changes the main change is probably going to be that midfield one Okay, interesting. So, I've already taken a four-point hit. So, just to recap recap my team. So, I started with, and this is different to what I told you uh, on the on the last podcast because I went through some, some worries and I made some changes right at the deadline. So, I have Sanchez from Brighton in goal, Kufal, Tsimikas, and Alexander-Arnold in defense with Shaw on the, and Amate on the bench. Buendia, Salah, Son, and Barnes in midfield with Ben Rama on the bench. Oh boy, do I regret that because he got 12 points. And Antonio Ings and Tony up front. So I really took a four-point hit because I swapped out Alexander-Arnold for Diaz from Manchester City. And then on top of that, I swapped Son for Fernandez. So I had to do the double because I didn't have enough cash to swap Son straight to Fernandez. 
and I regret taking Fernandez out my team right at the deadline last week. <laughs> what I guess what I was worrying about is that with all the penalty changes and the VAR changes, VAR that is, I'm a bit worried that he's not going to be getting as much returns. But I think on the flip side, Man United are looking more deadly than ever. So I think it will balance out. And I think overall, Salah and Fernandez are the two guys you can't not have in your team if you want to do well this season. And that speaks volumes given that I think they've both got over 50% ownership now. So if you don't have them and they do well, you're instantly going to be right down the bottom of the ladder of your of your fantasy leagues. Yeah, Fernandez is sitting at 58%. And 58? Unbelievable. That's one of the highest I've ever seen. Mm. Might swap um, them out, eh? Yeah, and just one recommendation for you. If you're looking to swap out Bukayo Saka, Erdegaard's just been priced at 5.5 million, so the same as Emil Smith-Rowe. So it could oh, be true. worth swapping and saving I, and keeping an Arsenal asset. Um, I otherwise, think... Uh, I was just going to say, otherwise you've also got Mbueno from Brentford, who I think is classed as a mid for 5.5, and he looked super deadly. And you've also got Ismailia Saar from Watford, who looks great. I was looking six. at Saar. I was considering that um, highly. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a toss-up for me between Saar and Ben Rama. Someone like that. To be honest, I, I think go, I think I go I'm just going to stay away from Arsenal players right now because your fantasy points are highly correlated with just how well your team does in general. So, yep, especially as a definitely. midfielder, when there's clean sheet bonuses and stuff at play. So, yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, I'll look forward to seeing myself at the top of the ladder again next <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I should probably take a few other things in my life more seriously than fantasy, but nah, not going to. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening, guys. Been a pleasure bringing you our second podcast in a row. That's that's a that's a new occurrence. (laughs) Yeah, and also thanks for soldiering through all ninety plus minutes of it. Yeah, like I said last week, Delish and I have just got this new thing. We just want to talk on the podcast, just as if we as if we weren't recording a podcast. And this week turned out that we had a lot to talk about. Awesome. Great. Until next week, everyone. Yep. See you then.